there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Hey, it's your host, Carter. I wanted to give you a little bit of a warning. Kids who are under the age of 13 might find some parts of our show a little bit scary, so listener discretion is advised. Now, enjoy the show. They look real small down there, Sheriff. <sighs> what kind of monster would just toss him to the side of the road like trash? Look at the world today. What kids are like. Decency's dead and gone, Loman. Those killings a few years back were just the beginning. Oh, please, Harry, don't bring that up. Those kids still show up in my nightmares. Time to add two more youngsters to the rotation. But this time we know who did it. We've got Bedwell. So you took your look. What do you think he did? Well, take Barbara Grimes. Rolled up, legs drawn up to her chest. Patricia's got her arm over her. Protective, shielding. Exposure? Bruising seems to be minimal so far. Trapped out here during the winter is death. I figure Bedwell knew the elements would finish them off. He's just a boy. You think he's capable of something that cold-hearted? Exactly. He's just a stupid kid. After all the trouble he went through wrangling these two, he figured this would be the easy way out. That's another thing about our youth. Always looking to skate by. Hmm. And skate by he did. Not for long, Sheriff. Not for long. Hello? Loretta. Loretta. It's Joe. <gasps> Loretta, please. Do not say another goddamn word, Joe. <laughs> I know. It's been too long. I know. I haven't been the father. I should have been the man. I, I should have been. Did you hear me? I said to close your mouth. I can't stand to hear it. You need to hear what I'm going to say. That's just it, Joe. I already know. Of course. Of course they would. <laughs> Woman, you're going to kill yourself. Calm down. What? 
in the hell do you think I'm doing? It was me out on the streets. Me talking to these horrible people, these useless police, these incompetent federal agents. My face in the papers. My daughter's gone. Barbara and Patricia are, um, they're my daughters too. Were. Don't you mean were? Loretta. After all of this, they call you first. They have to inform the man, don't they? Don't want to do the dirty work themselves. I suppose not. How about I do it for you, Joe? As usual, how about I just go ahead and make it easy for you, and you can hit the road again and forget any of this ever happened in the first place. I don't know what you want me to say. Nothing. Say nothing to me. Barbara and Patricia are dead. They found them. They're dead. Do you want me to respond to that? Yes, just tell me. They're gone. Some driver found them outside the city, on the side of the road. They're gone, Loretta. Oh, Joe, those sweet girls. My sweet girls. The things people are going to say. We'll never have the truth. They're gonna find a guy. They already have one all lined up. I don't believe it, Joe. I don't. Our girls are gone. There'll never be justice for us. No matter what anyone does or says, it's too late. Our daughters are dead. Welcome to Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Wendy McKenzie. Let's return to a dark, empty January in Chicago. The new year of 1957 has dawned, but hope is far from sight for Loretta Grimes. Her missing daughters, Barbara and Patricia, have finally been found, and the worst has come to pass for this poor family. For the investigation, though, hope remains in the picture. Led by coroner's official Harry Gloss and county sheriff Joseph Lohman, young Elvis lookalike and professional grifter Benny Bedwell has become the prime suspect. But things will not be as simple as it seems to Mr. Gloss. And another dark mystery from Chicago's past, with possible ties to the Grimes murders, will return to haunt the city's police. In the end, Loretta's bleak belief may be fulfilled, but you'll have to listen to find out the truth. This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories, and the second and final installment of the Grimes Sisters murder case. If you want to review an episode of Unsolved Murders, or to hear our investigation into other cases, you can find them all on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to subscribe. You can also listen on our website, parcast.com, spelled P-A-R-C-A-S-T.com. A new episode comes out every Tuesday. With that, back to the Windy City and the tribulations that 1954 has in store for it and its denizens. So who was Benny Bedwell? And what led Harry Gloss to believe that Bedwell was the culprit? Your name for the record? I'm uh, Minnie Duros. I run the DNL restaurant on West Madison with my husband, John. And how do you know Mr. Edward Lee Bedwell? He's been working with us for a few months as a dishwasher. Hmm. Let's go to the morning in question, December 30th. Of course. It was early-ish, maybe around six. I see Mr. Bedwell come in, and I assumed it was for work. Good morning, Mrs. Duros. Someone's awful cheery. Why wouldn't I be? It's my day off. 
I could tell he was drunk. Was he accompanied by anyone? Ah, uh, yes. Another boy. Someone around his age. Same disposition, too. A wild one. I'd seen the two of them with each other before when Mr. Bedwell took off after his shift some nights. And then there were the two girls. You're sure of this? Two girls? Oh, yeah. Perfectly sure. It was much too early for that kind of music, but all of them seemed to be having a grand time. You mentioned Mr. Bedwell seemed inebriated. Would you say the same about the rest? Oh, would I? <laughs> they were all far gone. Woo-wee, Frank! Grab your girl and spin her around! <laughs> Sit your ass down, Benny, and eat your pancakes. Did the girls seem as enthused? They seemed to be enjoying themselves at first. A bit quiet, after they all ate. The two boys went outside, but one of the girls, the, the taller one, she stayed behind. Did you speak with her? Well, she didn't seem much in the mood for talking. She laid her head flat down on the table. Looked like the hangover was kicking in. Sweetheart? Hello, miss? It's morning time now, sun's coming up. Ah, Jesus. Look at her, Bedwell. Your girl's passing out. Honey, get on up now. You brutes leave her be. She's sick. Hell, she ain't sick, Mrs. Duros. You know that? She just needs to come get some rest. <laughs> Looks like she's doing fine just where she is. I'll watch after her and get her some coffee. Then the younger girl came back inside. Barbara, are you okay? <sighs> oh, get up now. Let's go. Cars are running. I said leave a bee. Who the hell does this lady think she is, Benny? Lay off, Frank. Please get up. You're scaring me. Okay. Okay, I'm coming. Sweetheart, you just stay right here if you'd rather. You don't have to go with them. No, 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 it's okay. She's my sister. I gotta go, she's my sister. She said that? You're sure? Sure as I can be, thinking back a month to the end of an 18-hour shift. But that was Bedwell with him, no doubt about it. Backed by witness accounts from Minnie's husband and another patron of DNL, the police decided that they had more than enough to round up Bedwell. They did it easily enough, though the mysterious Frank couldn't be identified or found. You look me in the eye, boy. I... I am. Every word you speak, I need to see your eyes. See the eyes, see the lies. Got it? Got it, sir. Benny was sequestered in interrogation by one of Loman's top captains, named Fleming. So admit it. The girls have been found. The autopsy is underway. It's all a matter of time, Benny. You talk. Maybe it won't hurt as much. I, I got nothing to say about those girls. See, I don't believe you. You know why? Because you're a bum. I, I may be, sir. But I get by. I'm a bum that gets by. You're right. Some bums do manage, they stay clean, but you can always tell. You can smell it off the bad ones, and you, you're filthy. You gonna cry, bum? Huh? Now that I got you backed against the wall? Fleming knew what he was doing. It was all part of the process. When you have someone your superiors are convinced is a psychopathic killer, all it takes is the right amount of pressure. The interrogation went on for hours. By the end of it, Benny was singing like Elvis. Just in a much different tune. All right. All right. I was out drinking. At the usual dive spots with my man Frank. We saw the two girls, regulars themselves. 
We all knew what we were getting into here. We all knew where the night would lead. See? Isn't this better? You be nice, tell the truth, and I got a new suit of clothes hanging in my closet that's too small for me. You tell me the whole truth, and it's yours. And you're out of here tonight, Benny. All right, then. Well, we got him drunk, all right. For days, we were all hollering about having sex, having fun. But then, things got a lot less fun. Frank and I, we knew what we had to do. All this noise about the girls was going up. We got them dinner, some hot dogs. Then, we knocked them out and threw them on the side of the road. Benny Bedwell confessed. He went as far as reenacting this very chain of events for Sheriff Lohman off the side of German Church Road. Harry Gloss had his man and was seemingly vindicated in his single-minded pursuit of Bedwell. But not everyone was convinced. Miss Grimes, excuse me. Miss Grimes! Get away from me! What do you make of the latest confession of Edward Benny Bedwell? I wait for the court to judge. How do you respond to his accusation of your daughter's gallivanting about town for weeks with him? Drinking and sleeping? He's a liar. I don't know why he's lying, but he's a liar all the same. You want to know what I think? I think it's all a bunch of nonsense the police made up to cover up the fact that they don't know a single thing about what really happened to my girls. Take that to your papers and print it. She wasn't the only shocked mother. The day before his habeas corpus hearing, Benny Bedwell's mother, Ethel Bradbury, visited him in jail. Ma? Did you do it, Benny? Did you do it? Don't make me say it again. Did you? Yes, Ma. I didn't think a son of mine would. (laughs) Yet, right before Benny's hearing, shocking evidence turned up in the autopsy. We'll discuss this revelation, but first, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back to Unsolved Murders. When we left off, the Grimes sisters' autopsy had just been completed with surprising results. Coroner Walter McCarran called Gloss in for the autopsy report. This better be good, Walter. It depends, Harry. Our murder case is ever good. You know what I mean, Walter. Don't want any BS clogging up the airways before Bedwell's trial. Take a look, then. There they are. What's the word? The University of Illinois toxicologist checked the contents of the girls' stomachs. The digested food matches their last meal on December 28th, back home with Mama Loretta. Impossible. No trace of hot dogs, let alone alcohol or any other type of poisoning agent. The girls died of exposure. The night of their disappearance or a few days after at most. Are you trying to sabotage my reputation? I'm trying to show you the truth, Harry. 
Bedwell's innocent. He confessed. Under duress from one of Loman's goons. You wouldn't happen to know anything about that, would you? I suppose it will all come out in the hearing anyway. What? Oh yes, the hearing will go on. You didn't hear? Bedwell's team has heard about this. He's going to be recanting tomorrow. All of it. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Gloss's perfect theory went out the window. Bedwell did recant everything, blaming it all on Fleming's aggressive behavior, claiming threats of violence and bribes of material goods. Benny Bedwell was released of all charges. Excuse me, Miss Bradbury? Yes? It's me, Loretta Grimes. I, I just wanted to tell you that I knew he never did it. I knew your boy was innocent. Oh, my goodness. My dear. I cannot even imagine your losses. I'm just glad you still have your boy, ma'am. While such false alarms were becoming business as usual for Loretta, this was a crisis for the Chicago PD. Gloss's error cost them respect, and every day the truth evaded them, that respect got lower and lower. For all officials involved, this case was an unpleasant reminder of another mysterious and unsolved series of child murders from 1955. The horrible peterson Schusler murders. There were three boys, brothers Anton and John Schusler, and their pal, Robert Peterson. Much like the Grimes sisters, their parents allowed them out one day to catch a matinee screening in the city. And as young boys tend to, they took advantage of the lack of adult supervision. The boys traveled to the Monte Cristo bowling alley and played until around 9 p.m. In order to afford bowling, the boys had to spend their bus fare. So they must have decided to hitchhike home after. Once they stepped outside into the cold, no one ever saw them alive again. Three days later, a salesman took a lunch break on the east bank of the Des Plaines River. But found a horrible surprise waiting for him by the side of the river. No. Oh, dear Lord. Please. No. Cursed before he even knew it, coroner Walter McCarran was brought in to do the autopsies on the three young bodies. The identities were confirmed. Anton, John, and Robert were dead. The boys were left without any clothes on, covered in small bruises and marks. While the cause of death of the Schuslers was less obvious, McCarran determined Peterson died via strangulation, either by rope or perhaps a necktie. The most disturbing detail, though, was that all three boys' eyes had been covered by strips of adhesive tape. While the killing blow would arrive with the Grimes catastrophe, the autumn of 1955 was when Chicago truly lost its innocence. Various police officers were quoted saying the Schusler-Peterson slangs were the worst crimes they had ever investigated. While luckily no images made it into the public realm, the mental portrait of three small bodies out in the cold, eyes covered with tape, it haunts to this day. Well, there's no expiration date for horror like that. Anton and John's father, Anton Sr., was quoted at the time. When you reach the point where children cannot go to the movies in the afternoon and get home safely, Something is wrong with this country. Over 1,200 people packed into St. Joseph's Cemetery for the funeral procession for the three boys. Meanwhile, police canvassed Robinson's Woods, where the bodies were discovered. Lieutenant Morris, our second squad just got back from over the hill in Zone 3. There's an entirely different department from the county over conducting their own search. You're kidding me. What direction are they moving? Directly opposite of us. They're trampling all over fresh ground. I tried to stop them. They told me to get lost. They told you what? Excuse me. 
Excuse me. Yeah? What do you think you're doing here, Morris? This is my crime scene. Well, unfortunately, you're in my county, Morris. We had the entirety of Robinson's on lockdown today. The notice went out to all departments. Don't you think the best men should be on the job for this one? You're glory hunting during the investigation of a triple child homicide? You're disgusting, and you're unprofessional. You've possibly wiped out half the evidence my men would have found over here. Well, I'll inform you that we haven't found squat over here. There's nothing. Don't get your panties in a bunch. This is not to be taken lightly. I'll be reporting you downtown. You and all the clowns you brought with you. Shit. Boys, go on and look. Sorry, Morris. This is one of my hounds. Why don't you sit back and watch how the real police do this? Son of a bitch! The investigation was a disaster. Competing departments scoured the woods for days, walking all over each other's paths, destroying any trace of evidence that the killer may have left behind. Either way, it was a bust. The killer had been thorough. There was nothing to be found. Approaching three years later, though, something rang a bell for the Chicago area police. Much like the Schuessler peterson killings, the murder of the Grimes girls left the bodies unclothed in freezing weather. Could this be an M.O. of the same killer? Could these two child murderers be linked? If so, the earlier murders were not a good test of the police's ability. Despite the massive manhunt, no further evidence was discovered. No serious suspects cropped up. It was a total cold case. Walter, that you? Yeah, yeah, it's me. Sheriff, Lieutenant Morris, sorry to interrupt. Nothing to interrupt, McCarran. We're just stewing here in our own misery. Feels exactly like years ago, doesn't it? With those three boys. A little too familiar for comfort. We're not going to repeat the same mistakes we made last time. Our search is going to be coordinated, direct, relentless. If it's the same guy, or if it's a different one, either way, we're going to find them. I'm sorry, Morris, but how naive are you? The first day we had Chicago, Cook County, the Forest Preserves, and at least four other South Chicago departments on the scene. That's not to mention the reporters. That gruesome photo that got out? It's the same show. Same actors, even. We didn't learn a goddamn thing. The coroner was right. There was no further evidence to be found around German Church Road. With Benny Bedwell recently released, they only had two bodies and a divided investigation. Oh. Hey, McCarran. I wanted to catch you on the way out. I knew Loman wouldn't tell you. Tell me what? It's Gloss, sir. Harry Gloss. What about him? I pulled him off this when he bungled that Bedwell fiasco. He might have dropped Bedwell, sir, but he's clinging for dear life to his theories, and I think Loman believes him. Here you are. Thanks. Keep it open. Joe, over here. I see you, Harry. Trust me. You're spinning around on the stool like you're at sea. You feeling okay? Pissed? Drunk? But I'm okay. Because we're not giving up yet. Look, Harry. I'm on your side here. That Bedwell kid is clearly a scumbag. Something's not right behind those eyes, but... He did it. If he didn't, someone just like him did. Maybe someone he even knew. Some sick freak still roaming these streets free today. Walter's not putting up with this anymore, Harry. He's gonna come after you if you keep making noise. This investigation was crippled from the start. Walter should have been canned after the Schusler peterson debacle. He's flubbed this one, too. You have more than hearsay to back that up? How about this? 
The time of death for the girls is completely off. Hmm. How do you figure that? Look at the photos. They're right on the side of the road. There wasn't enough snow to cover them for at least a week after the night of the 29th. That won't hold up in any court, regardless of the sense it makes to us. And what about the ice, then? The thin layer of ice covering both corpses. Those bodies must have been warm when they were dumped there. And again, there must have been enough snow to react against the heat, thus melting the... Mm-hmm, right. Uh, melting before it could freeze over again as a layer of ice. And don't get me started on the minor bruising McCarran put in his report. What about those puncture wounds and Patricia's chest? Weren't they ruled to have been caused by animals? Starved wildlife wandering in the cold looking for... Well, you know... It was a guess. Nothing more. I can't seem to get my hands on any believable documentation saying they tested those marks. And I work for the coroner. If those marks caused death, don't you think it would be clear? That's not the point. I believe these girls were hurt by their kidnapper in more ways than one. If we can determine the methodology of the killer, what he did to them before he left them on the road, we might be able to pinpoint the suspect. But why push back so hard, Harry? This isn't a damn conspiracy or a cover-up. No, it's incompetence. Simple as that. This doesn't have anything to do with the fact that you're running for sheriff next year, does it? <laughs> I'd be offended if I didn't know you well enough to see you're just doing what any detective has to do. Probe the seams, see if they pull apart. I'm doing this because I want the truth, Joe. Because I want those girls to have justice. Their family. The city, goddammit. I don't know how much you can do. I'll tell you what. I'm going to the press. Bartender, enough. Harry wasn't kidding. He gave a full statement to the press regarding his theories. Including the controversial claim that Barbara's body displayed marks of sexual molestation. Needless to say, Walter McCarran was enraged. Oh, jeez, dear God, Walter. Thought you might come in today, Harry. You nearly scared me to death. Well, it's a good thing you're in the morgue already. Ooh, very scary. Here to intimidate, I suppose? And what would be the purpose of that? I have no idea how that mind of yours works, Walter. But I know a lot of criminals are sure glad it seems to have already reached capacity. You think this is a game? You've gone over the line, Gloss. You've compromised the rest of this investigation. How is that? By pursuing the truth? You tell the press that Barbara was molested? Even you hadn't ruled that out of the reports. Yes, but don't you think there's a reason I never broadcast it out across the land? It's an interrogation tactic for the detectives, you numbskull. You drop that bomb in front of a suspect and they flinch? Maybe that's the only tell we'd ever get out of them. That's right, Gloss. What do you have to say to that? Now every potential killer in America knows how to prepare themselves to resist the law to resist this truth you're so desperate for. That was never my intention. Intentions don't matter in this game. Never have, never will. It's not a game, Gloss. It's not all about your campaign for sheriff. Now there's a grieving mother in this city who has to sit trapped in her own home as everyone gossips about the potential sexual abuse of her murdered daughters. Who have you helped? Not even yourself. This isn't a time for breaking apart. The departments across the city are already at each other's throats. The time, Harry, has come for you to leave. I don't mean the case. I mean your position here entirely. You're fired. With their chief investigator off the case, how would the investigation continue? Our story will continue in a moment after the break. 
The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And now, let's continue our story. As Harry Gloss said, the police departments across Chicago were at each other's throats. This mini-civil war within Chicago law enforcement soon reached a climax. State Senator Robert Graham put into motion a legislative inquiry into the investigations of both the Schusler-Peterson and Grimes murders. Various agencies in the city were accused of withholding information from one another for no good reason, aside from petty politics. The inquiry didn't go far with another senator shooting it down as unconstitutional. Either way, it soon became very clear that this was essentially the end of the road. Lohman deputized Gloss to work without pay, but the two never came across anything big enough to offset the conclusion reached by McCarran and the official reports. The case would remain open out of respect to Loretta Grimes' grief, but anyone with any sense would tell you the same thing. Whoever the culprit was, they had officially gotten away with murder. Yet, perhaps justice is just a slow-moving beast. That fact is not fair, but it was certainly true in the case of the Schusler-Peterson murders. In 1977, during the investigation of the murder of candy heiress Helen Voorhees Brock, a government informant named William Wamet shed some light on long-lost history. The killer of those three Chicago boys back in 1955 was Kenneth Hansen. The FBI dove into Hansen's history, taking him back to the 1950s, where he worked at a ranch outside of Chicago, owned by notorious horse breeder and millionaire Silas Jane, himself a criminal who used blackmail and illegal trading deals to build his empire. It took until 1994 for the government to launch a full case against Hansen and arrest him. At that point, they had replicated the event in full, disturbing detail. Hansen, 21 at the time, picked the three hitchhiking boys up. He soon announced that he owned a lot of horses and asked if the boys wanted to see them. I think we should leave. It was too late. They were far back onto Silas Jane's property now. Hansen took the boys to the stables. Once inside, he locked the doors and molested all three of them. It's unknown why things took an even worse turn. Perhaps one of the three tried to escape. Perhaps it was just the only way for him to get away with it. Well, whatever it was, Hansen killed all three, one by one, strangling them to death. What the hell is going on with these horses? Oh, Jesus, you sick bastard. What have you done? I... I had to keep them quiet. There was nothing else I could do. I always knew you were a goddamn freak, but I thought you had enough sense to keep it off my property. 
They wanted to see the horses. Well, they certainly have now. I thought we could trust each other, Silas. I'm a criminal, but I'm not a monster. But now you're going to make me one. Too much to lose. What, what the hell do we do? Well, I certainly hope you take a flying leap off a bridge far away from here. But for now, strip them down, burn their clothes. I'll help you hide them in Robinson's wood. That should be good enough, right? Look around you. You committed this crime here, of all places. We burn it. Make something off the insurance. But I'm not letting a single one of these damn horses go with it. I'll start hurting them out. Wrap things up with your mess. It worked. With the devious Jane making the plans and the nondescript Hansen carrying them out, the two managed to cover up the horrible crime for decades. But by 1995, many other subsequent victims of Hansen came out in support of the arrest and testified against him. Some claimed that Hansen bragged about the murder to them after he assaulted them, claiming they would end up like the Schuslers and Peterson if they ever spoke about what he did to them. The court case was a slam dunk. Hansen was sentenced to 200 to 300 years in prison. During this time, interest also revived in the Grimes investigation. Yet it seems that the Schusler-Peterson murders were just one mystery swallowed up in the belly of a much more frustrating one. And despite the wishes of the prosecution, Hansen said he did not commit the Grimes murders. With nothing left to lose, it seems he was telling the truth. The long winter of the Grimes mystery refused to lift. By the 1970s, there was one face in the old Bridewell Chicago House of Corrections that seemed more out of place than those of the criminals and prisoners contained within its walls. Loretta, you are just too kind. The staff wouldn't know what to do without you helping us out. It's the least I can do. The very least. Loretta Grimes spent her twilight years volunteering at the prison helping both prisoners and staff with daily life inside the Iron Gates. In her mind, it was a way of paying forward all of the help she received from the community during the crisis of her daughter's disappearance. Despite the inconsolable pain in her heart, Loretta knew that there were still those worse off than her. Her Christian spirit remained intact, even after all these years. However, there is a historical caveat not often mentioned. Despite the evidence of quotes attributed to Loretta Grimes, where she says she has left the truth of the mystery to God, that's not quite right. Here's where her story dovetails with another's, retired detective Ray Johnson. Around the dawn of the 21st century, Johnson spent years researching old Chicago crimes for a book he was writing called Chicago's Haunt Detective. While at first it was just an exploration of the connection between local ghost stories and true crime, Johnson stumbled onto a bigger story. As well as shocking, unreported facts surrounding the Grimes case and Loretta's experiences in particular. But what inspired him to reopen this cold case was when he read about Loretta being visited by a Cook County detective back when her wounds were still fresh. Loretta Grimes' final meeting with the Cook County Law Enforcement Department. And according to Ray Johnson's later research, it went something like this. I'm very sorry to be bothering you again, Ms. Grimes. There's little more that can bother me in this lifetime, Detective. I I wanted to personally apologize for the situation that's occurred, for the mismanaged investigation, the chaos of it all. 
In my mind, it was our fault that we couldn't catch the bastard who did this to your girls. Detective, I don't know whether or not I agree. Perhaps I do. I, I fear there's no way to ever truly be certain until the matter is resolved. Excuse me? I understand that the trail has gone cold. I understand resources must be reallocated to other crimes, other criminals, other stories. But I met with you today to ask you something. To ask you to make a promise to me. I... I will, Ms. Grimes. Just name it. Please, don't give up. I don't care what it takes, but keep the girl's case file where it won't be lost. Where it will always be ready to be opened once again. This isn't just for me. Please understand that. It's for everyone in this city. In this country, even. There is value in solving this. No matter when it happens. I... I completely understand, ma'am. No matter what happens, Chicago won't forget what happened to your girls. At the time, it might have sounded like an empty promise to Loretta, but it was a promise nonetheless. Unfortunately, it was a promise that she would never live to see properly fulfilled. Loretta Grimes passed away on December 8, 1989. While the case was never totally forgotten, it began to acquire that black and white sheen that eventually turns all mysteries into permanent history. Until, of course, Ray Johnson stumbled upon the promise made to Loretta Grimes. And realized there was another murder in the Chicago area from that time period, aside from the Schusler peterson killings, that could prove to be the vital missing link in the investigation. The victim's name was Bonnie Lee Scott. She was 15 years old. It was late November 1958 in Addison, Illinois. Scouts, keep organized. This isn't a vacation, it's a camping trip. We're here to learn. Oh, what's the sissy screaming about? Boys? Boys, what is happening? Oh my god. Boys, back away. Here, back away, come with me. Now! A poor murdered girl discovered by a troop of innocent children. These few years truly were the end of privileged innocence in this part of the country. But there was more than just a superficial similarity between the killing of Scott and the murder of the Grimes sisters. This gets back to those unreported facts Johnson managed to uncover. Specifically, two phone calls that would haunt Loretta Grimes for her entire life. The first came right after Barbara and Patricia's bodies were found in January 1957. Hello? Ah, Loretta. I just wanted to call and talk to you about your two girls. What in God's name do you want to do that for? I thought you'd like to know what I did to them. This isn't some joke. Oh, I am very aware of that, Loretta. It wasn't a joke to me, though it was quite fun. Dear God. Don't bother calling the police. I'm not sticking around. Just thought you'd like to hear my voice. The voice your daughters heard as I undressed them. The last voice they heard before they died. According to Johnson's research, the voice proceeded to share with Loretta personal details about the girls that only a mother would know, information not published in any article or medical report. The voice hung up on Loretta, leaving her with no idea how to deal with it. Could it have been true, or was it just a sick joke? Then the second call arrived in response to the discovery of Bonnie Scott's corpse, almost exactly a year after Loretta first heard the voice. Yes. Loretta, good to hear your voice again. Do you remember me? I... 
Of course. I remember you. Oh, that makes me so happy. You sick bastard. This is about that girl from Addison, isn't it? That's right, Loretta. I just wanted to check in on you and let you know that it's still so easy to kill girls like your daughters. So naive. So young. They're gonna get you one day. If they don't, God will. Sure he will. Tell yourself whatever you want. The only thing I care about is that you never forget my voice. It's the only thing that ties you to your daughters anymore. Remember that. In a late interview with her, after the deaths of her daughters but before her own passing, Loretta Grimes said those exact words. I will never forget that voice. That small piece of evidence gave Ray Johnson the edge he needed. He was able to definitively tie the Grimes and Scott cases together. His name was Charles Leroy Melquist. And he was actually convicted in the murder of Scott, sentenced to 99 years. Yet he only served 11. After release, he began life anew with a wife and children. All attempts at questioning by the Chicago police were blocked by Melquist's attorney. By the time Ray really started looking into reopening the case with Melquist as prime suspect number one, the convicted murderer had passed away. And if it had been him, he did get away with it, at least in his own lifetime. But Johnson remained and remains tireless. He managed to contact a woman who claimed to have been kidnapped alongside the Grimes girls. While only 14 at the time and too terrified to come forward, she opened up to Johnson and agreed to speak further with current detectives. The one detail Johnson shared in a blog post is pretty damning, though. The key detail in this woman's memory about her kidnapper? His distinctive, frightening voice. Could it be the very same voice that taunted Loretta Grimes in those two phone calls? The voice that lured the Grimes girls to their tragic ends? Hi, mister. We're not too far from home. Would you mind giving us a ride? Please, the wind is nearly knocking us flat. Sure, girls. Why not? Climb in. With Melquist lost, we may never know. But with Ray Johnson and the sizable online community of Chicagoans and beyond that he fostered in the name of finding the truth, the promise the city made to Loretta can still be fulfilled. Even as history tries to throw Barbara and Patricia into the shadows, forgotten, the bright light of their mother's tireless hope and love refuses to die. Don't forget to subscribe to Unsolved Murders on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory, or through our website, parcast.com. That's P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com. A new episode of Unsolved Murders comes out every Tuesday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Parcast Facebook page. You can tweet us at Parcast Network. That's P-A-R-C-A-S-T Network. We thank you for listening. And hope you'll join us next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Wendy McKenzie. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Ron and Max Cutler. Sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Joel Stein and Maggie Admire. Unsolved Murders is written by Jack Bentel and stars Carter Roy and Wendy McKenzie. 
The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by alphabetical order, Jerry Courtney Alstein, Al Fallick, Janice Liebhart, Manu Naroyan, Steve Pinto, Greg Polson, and Vanessa Richardson. <laughs> 